7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Thank you very much, Mbali, and a very good evening, and thank you for joining us and staying with us on SAFM and joining us on SAFM Spot On. I am Tabiso Musia, Katla Khumudiba and Luyolom Kalipi are producing, and Sylvester Komane is our technical producer this evening. Tonight on the show, we are putting the spotlight on the upcoming Super Rugby season, which gets underway tomorrow, and we will look at the South African team's chances this season. It is a big year, of course, with the Rugby World Cup taking place in Japan later this year. We will also be joined in studio by the new CEO of the Blue Bulls company, Mr. Alfonso Meyer. It was an disappointment was announced last year. He takes over from Baron van Gran and officially took the reins in January. And I would think that the Bulls community is expecting a big year in 2019 especially with the number of changes made on and off the field so we'll find out more from Mr. Alfonso Mayer about the expectations at Loftus this year and what is he expected exactly to do um, as the CEO of the Blue Bulls company but before all of that there have been developments in Casta Semenya's fight with the IAAF that will go before the court of arbitration for sport next week she's challenging the proposed IAAF regulations on women with difference of sexual development DSD as they call it or higher testosterone levels that the IAAF argues gives Castasimena and others an unfair advantage and there was a big story that came out I think last night from the UK saying that the IAAF in their argument to the court of arbitration for sport actually want Castasimena to be classified as male. Uh, so we'll try and uh, get to and get the latest on that developing story. As I mentioned, this uh, this goes before the Court of Arbitration for Sport uh, last week after Casta Semenya appealed this proposed IAAF regulations, which, which were supposed to come into effect late last year. You might remember a couple of years ago, there was a similar case with an Indian sprinter called Duty Chand, and uh, she also took uh, the IAAF to the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And uh, and then after that, the, I, the Court of Arbitration for Sport actually uh, put the onus on the IAAF to go and find scientific evidence that says that uh, women or female athletes with higher testosterone levels have an unfair advantage and the IAAF says now they found that evidence and that's why they want to implement these new regulations with Casta, which Casta Semenya is of course challenging. Uh, so we will hear shortly from the senior research visiting fellow in the Global Health Justice Partnership at Yale University in the US. Her name is Katrina Kazar. Kakazis and she spoke to us about this matter just before we started the show. And for those who want to join our conversation with the Bull CEO later on, please feel free to call us on 0891-104-207 or even if you want to weigh in on the Casta Semenya saga, also join us on 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938 and we take WhatsApp voice notes on 061-4104-107. We are using the hashtag SFMSportOn on social media. For the story behind the action, get Tabiso Musia weekdays at 7 p.m. So, as I said, all eyes are once again on Casta Semenya following those reports that the IAAF wants her to be classified as a biological male when the case is heard at the Court of Arbitration for Sport next week. Uh, earlier today, we spoke to Katrina Kazakis, a senior research visiting fellow in the Global Health Justice Partnership at Yale University about this latest development because she previously testified as an expert witness in the duty chant case. And I began by asking her what she makes of the reports that the IAAF basically wants to classify Casta as male. Directly after that news report, the IAAF actually released a press release saying that that wasn't true. And then as of this morning, 
Castro Semenya and her team also released a press release. So I think what that does is distract in a really harmful and cruel way from really what the core of this case is about, which is around testosterone levels and performance and whether or not higher levels of testosterone give some women a performance difference that is above that of their peers. I think it's cruel and unfortunate, um, and certainly it's not even founded in science. Uh, It goes against uh, everything that we know about sex biology and have known for, you know, the better part of 60 years. So um, it's it's just really unfortunate. Mm. So what exactly do you expect their argument to be next week before the Court of Arbitration for Sport? Certainly a central piece of this case, as it was in the last case brought by Judy Chand, will be an evaluation around um, those things that testosterone is thought to affect in the body, uh, for example, muscle mass, and whether or not that can be uh, causally related to any kind of performance advantage that some women would have. So I think there's going to be a lot of parsing of the science once again, as there was in the 2015 case. But I also think that there will be a return as well to things that were less covered in the media, which have to do with ethical violations, human rights violations, harms to athletes, burden on women who fall under these regulations, ways in which they might be unfair. Those were all arguments that were raised in the prior case, and I imagine that they will come up again this time. And talking about duty, Chen, I mean, after that case, they were asked to come up with solid evidence to prove uh, their case as requested. Do you think the IAAF has done that? They've been able to come up with convincing evidence? I haven't seen what they've submitted to the court, but I have read their publications that have come out. And they don't have that evidence. It's very clear. So if this is a case that is decided on science alone, then the evidence isn't there. But if um, And so they shouldn't win on that basis. Mm. Their evidence is weak. It does not uh, at all prove what they need to prove. And what they've done is create a string of correlations that um, are not really generalizable to the kinds of larger claims they want to make, which is that higher testosterone definitively gives a performance advantage to some women. So um, even on the science alone, they shouldn't win. But I certainly wouldn't want science to predominate. I think the questions around harm, the fact that women would need to go undergo medically unnecessary interventions in order to continue competing as who they are, is unfair and creates a burden for women. And Katrina, have you been able to understand why exactly they want to impose these regulations on the 400-meter runners up to the mile? Because many say it's a clear sign that they are targeting Custer. Many people look at this and see that, and I think they have reason to think that. Um, This is now, we're going on a decade uh, this year that the IAAS has been, you know, interested in limiting Castor Semenya's participation starting in 2009. So those are the events that she runs in. Whether or not it was intentional, de facto, it affects her, right? So the intention... uh, you know, we can't prove intention, but we can certainly say that it absolutely seeks to exclude or change the participation of someone that they've been interested in for a decade. Um, but 
I'm of the belief that this doesn't just affect Castro Semenya, but that it affects all women athletes because it's asking for a norm. It's asking for, an, you know, a gender norm uh, and for women to conform to that norm. And women who don't conform in some way are punished. And the punishment is medical intervention, exclusion from the highest level of sport, scrutiny in the media. Um, and so all of that uh, is deeply unfair to all women athletes um, who, need, who are, you know, subjected to these kinds of norms. And um, what do you expect Casta Semenya's defense to be? I understand that you've also previously testified in this case. You know, again, I think she will raise in all likelihood the kinds of arguments that were raised before, that her any difference in her physiology is no different than other kinds of differences in physiology that all athletes have, right? They might have particular... Uh, genetic differences or other kind of differences in their body that in some way affect performance, but of course was never part of this conversation either, are other kinds of differences that matter, such as socioeconomic differences between athletes in varying countries that one could say contributes to advantage or disadvantage. So I know that they'll argue the science, but I think, you know, the release today that Castor and her lawyers put out, I think is very powerful that she doesn't want to have to change her body to continue competing and she wants to run free. I think that says it all. And finally, Katrina, how do you expect this case to go? You've mentioned that it's been going on for some time now and all eyes will be on Custer and the IAAF next week. I think it's very hard to predict how it will go um, because uh, there is so much at stake. Um, There are so many kinds of arguments to be weighed. If it is on science alone, I think that Castor Semenya should win. Um, and because I don't believe that the evidence they have that I've seen should, should lead them to be able to support their argument in the way that they want. But that alone may not be, uh, you know, the deciding factor. So I very much hope she wins. I think it will be a huge step backwards for sport and for women's sport if she doesn't win. Um, so that is my greatest hope and we'll know in March. So if I understand you co- co- um, correctly, where you stand is that if Custer's body produces higher testosterone levels, it doesn't mean that it gives an unfair advantage. Exactly. I think there's two parts to that kind of statement. The first is... Um, a scientific one, is there a performance difference between women based on their testosterone levels? And the evidence doesn't support that. The second part of that question is whether or not it's unfair. And that's a social question. That's a normative question. We could just as easily say that uh, women who train in better facilities have an unfair advantage. But the IAAF doesn't regulate around those kinds of factors. It regulates around only some and a very narrow range of biological factors. So I don't think that it can stand on either ground, um, that the performance difference is that significant. But also, I don't believe it's um, unfair uh, when weighed against all of the factors that contribute to athleticism.
So that is Katrina Kakazis, a senior research visiting fellow in the Global Health Justice Partnership at Yale University in the U.S., speaking to us about the latest developments regarding Casta Semenya. I do understand that the Minister of Sport, Tokozile Kasa, will also hold a media briefing tomorrow to weigh in on uh, this matter. She Remember, she did say a couple of weeks ago that if it means that they must go pick it outside the Court of Arbitration for Sport, then they will do so as they fight for justice for Casta Semenya. So we're going to hear more about this story in the next couple of days especially next week when it sits in front of the court of arbitration for spot but we just thought we should give you an update here after those reports came from the uk up next we're going to get a super rugby preview from a freelance a sports writer Simnigiwa Kabanisa, and then we chat to the bulls ceo mr alfonso Meyer, who's already in studio waiting for our conversation Tabiso Musia on safm so then Super Rugby 2019 finally gets underway tomorrow. We've been waiting for it. And as I said, it is a big year considering that it is World Cup year. So we put a call through to sports writer Simnikiwa Kabanisa just to uh, get an understanding of, of, of what he makes of the South African teams and their chances this year. And I began by asking him if he expects a different field to the competition because of the Rugby World Cup in Japan later this year. It, it should make it um, a lot more competitive. Um, I think, I think, especially for us South Africans. I mean, look, it'll it'll be the same case pretty much anywhere else in New Zealand, Australia. But I think for us, you know, we were given the impression that there's still quite a lot that that's up for sort of, you know, up to be contested by by our players. And so I, I imagine it's gonna it's gonna heighten things up a little bit. A great example of that, I think, was that sort of superhero weekend sort of double header that was held in Cape Town about a couple of weekends ago. You know, the teams were so much closer in their results, and I think that comes specifically from from what you're saying, which is guys are playing for World Cup places. Let's look at the SA team's chances now, starting with the Lions finalists for the past three years. Can they reach those heights again in 2019? It's a tricky question because, you know, you want to be fair to the Lions and say, you know, if they've reached the, the final three times, then clearly that means that they're quite a special team. But the real issue is obviously the fact that they haven't won any of those finals that they won, I mean, that, that they got to in, in succession, which which then, you know, in my in my, in my my experience of, of watching Super Rugby, um, I've never te- seen a team take that many opportunities to not win. You know, I, I think maybe most teams have won at their second final, you know, the second time that they got to a final. The Lions haven't been able to do it three times, and they've lost players along the way. You know, each year they've made the final. And so the real issue for me is I look at them now and I think all they're left with is a good sort of um, starting 15, but their depth is probably a bit more suspect, you know, since um, you know since they've lost the players that they have lost. And so, um, sort of long story short, I, I suspect they're not going to be able to reach those heights again this year. What about the Sharks? They are seen by many as having one of the strongest squads. They also have a very settled squad, not too many changes. Surely there should be no excuses this year. How far can they go? Oh, the Sharks, you know, the Sharks, the Sharks have, have that um, sort of, have always had you know, a decent squad. Um, I think the great frustration with them is that they're very inconsistent in how they play. You, you never know how they're going to play. For starters, and secondly, um, you, you never know sort of you know which which Sharks team you're going to get in terms of um, the attitude and approach. You know when they're coming out, you saw last year um, of the teams of the Alaskan teams they played the best against the the New Zealand sides. You know they they were in a nice combination of of direct and offloading. 
and you know they they gave all the New Zealand side that they played played against you know a, a lot of trouble. But like I say, you know they got back home and they really didn't didn't build from that momentum. So you never quite know which team you're going to get. But the one thing they do have in their locker though is that if you look at the um, if you look at the Lions' sort of dominance since 2015, I think it is where they, you know, they they hadn't lost um, a game in 21 games. The one game they have lost was to the Sharks, um, which was last year. And so I think, in a, in a way, the Sharks have, have been that one team that have been sort of systematically closing the gap on the Lions. And you know, if you if you watched again the Superheroes. Um, uh, doubleheader in Cape Town a couple of weekends ago. I know it was a friendly, but you know, the difference there was only four points and the game could quite conceivably have gone either way. So I suspect, you know, if, if the Sharks do find um, a nice balance in terms of how they play, which rugby they're gonna play, um, allied with the, you know, with, with, with maybe an attitude that's more consistent, you know, um, I, I suspect they, they're probably gonna be South Africa's best challengers. The Stormers, they've got a very talented squad, but a lot has been said about what's happening behind the scenes there. And also their coach, Robbie Fleck, also not covering himself in glory over the past few seasons. How do you see them going? That's the thing. Um, I think I think the Stormers of all our teams probably have the best talent. Um, if, you, if you look at their pack of forwards, that's quite possibly not only the best pack of forwards in South Africa, that's probably the, that's possibly, not probably, the the best pack of forwards in the competition. But, you know, again, like you say, if you look at the last sort of two years or whatever that Robbie Fleck has been in charge, you know, what, what has that got them? Pretty much nothing. And so I think I think the huge problem with um, with, with, with the Stormers isn't death. You know, if also if you look at, you know, if you look at their team, maybe they're not blessed at scrum off. They've got an, an older scrum off as their best scrum off and then a young scrum off that's coming coming through in Herschel Yankees. But you look at 10, you know, they've got cover there. You look at 12, they've got cover. You look at um, 13, you know, they're reasonably covered. And the back three is, is, is just incredible guys all around. And so I think, um, I know it sounds incredibly unfair to say that, you know, about guys like Robbie Fleck, but um, I think coaching has been a problem for them. But then by the same token, it looks like they might involve they might actually involve um, John Dobson, who's obviously mm. been coaching the Western Province side and the Curry Cup side, and his defence coach Norman um, Norman Laker. And those guys um, are very good. You know, John Dobson. Obviously, I think he would do the, the the breakdowns and and the team culture, which I think he's really good at. And then Norman Laker is you know, probably most of African rugby fans don't know who he is, but he's a very very good defence coach. It's just that he's probably underrated um, because people barely know who he is. Because because he's coached at a lower level. But um, to move away from that, that should improve them because it should help with the, you know, with the area that's considered a weakness, which is obviously their coaching. But then again, you know, when you talk about the, 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 the goings on behind the scenes, you know, um, you know, the coaches uh, not seeing eye to eye, which is, you know, the, the, the Robbie Fleck, Paul Feeney and Paul True not seeing eye to eye and then that taking itself out into meetings by the players, meetings between the players and the board. Um, you never know how that's going to pan out. Um, it it might galvanize the team or it might break the team morale. So maybe the players might actually just turn around this time and say, you know what, let's do this, let's do this thing for ourselves and forget the guys that are actually running the show. Or... You know, it, it could well destroy the team. But in terms of, you know, whether they have the, 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 the ability to, to not only compete in this competition, but to win it, 
Uh, they they always have, but you know, in all of the time that they've competed with all that talent, they've never won it. So you never quite know what to say. Finally, the Bulls, the only side with a coaching change after John Mitchell left them last year. They've actually undergone renovations on and off the field, bringing in some big-name players. There's a new CEO. What are the expectations at Loftus, and realistically, how do you see them doing? I think the big problem uh, with the Bulls last year uh, was, yes, of course, they had John Mitchell trying to introduce them to, to a different style of play. And over and above that, they had a a whole host of of pretty young players that they were trying to blood into 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 competing at that level. What's now happened is obviously John Mitchell is gone, which means you know the exact sort of progression on what he was trying to do maybe you know has the potential to be lost in translation you know with a new coach in in, in Puerto Himan. Or, you know, Puerto Human could prove to be sort of, um, you know, a bit of a Johan Ackerman who took over from, from John Mitchell at the Lions and went on to take the Lions to, you know, to two Super Rugby finals. You don't quite know what you're going to get with the new coach. And if you do look at the new coach, you know, he was basically third choice in terms of the coaches that, you know, they wanted, they had on their short list. And so you have to ask questions about the coaching, whether you like it or not. Um, but if you look at the team itself, um, from last year, having played actually rugby that was a bit better than where they finished, I think their defense was a huge problem and sort of uh, not, not being able to close out tight games and sort of making silly mistakes during the game, it cost them. But if you now look at the fact that you know all those players are, are, are a year older or a few cats older, this year, and then over and above that, they've had you know someone like Self Brits and Dwayne from Yellen, um sort of um, roped into the squad. Self Brits, we don't let's be honest, we don't quite know what we're going to get simply because you know he's 37 going on 38, and he hasn't played much in the last sort of six to eight months, having retired and, be, and being called out of retirement by the Springbok coach. So we don't quite know what we're going to get there. But what we've always gotten with a doing from from Yellen, even though he's been away from South Africa for quite a while, is that he's one of those players that has the ability to sort of drive a team um, almost um, by himself, you know, by what he does on the field. If he can do that for the Bulls, um, I think, you know, the Bulls might be a, a nice sort of dark horse in terms of the teams to look out for, you know, from the South African attack, simply because um, they look like a very good side on paper. Maybe if they do have glaring weaknesses, it might be on the wings, uh, where, you know, on the one side, you don't see out and out sort of firepower, whereas on the other side, with a guy like Roscoe Beckman, of course, he's got an incredible track record in sevens. But, you know, we've seen a lot of these sevens guys like Shevelo Tinatla, who's a sevens legend, not be able to translate that kind of form into 15s. So it'll be a big question mark with, with Roscoe whether he can, you know, he can actually be able to do that. I think if, they, if the Bulls do have a weakness, it might be on the wings because, A, you've got an unknown on the one side and then on the other side, you've um, you probably with Johnny Cox, you probably have got out and out firepower. But, you know, you look at the rest of the squad, they, they look pretty well balanced. Um, probably a bit young in certain aspects, but, you know, with those two sort of experienced players added into, you know, into, into the mix, maybe, maybe that might be the dark horses.
Okay, so those those are the views of Simniki. Abanisa saying the bulls might be the dark horses. Let's find out now from the powers that be at Loftus what the expectations are this year and uh, what the plan is going forward. And we are honoured to be joined in studio in our Pretoria studios by the newly appointed Blue Bull CEO, Mr. Alfonso Mayer. Mr. Mayer, good evening, sir, and thank you very much for coming to studio to speak to us on SAFM. Thank you and good evening to all the listeners. I think the first question on everybody's mind is, are you a Blue Bulls fan, Mr. Mayer? You know what? I'm uh, one of the biggest Blue Bulls fans. <laughs> um, and I tell you what, you can't accept or take this job if you're not a big Blue Bulls fan. <laughs> I would have imagined that was one of the requirements. <laughs> I think so. Now, let's talk about about you firstly before we talk about what the expectations are um you come with a a, a very impressive background of course having been with pwc uh, with the ibm just give us more about your your, your background who's alfonso Meyer? yeah thank you i studied engineering at potchefstroom university electrical engineering and then i started working but i i soon realized that i'm not a i'm never going to be a good engineer and uh I was into project management uh, and so on, and then I decided to do an MBA at the University of Pretoria. Um, but long before that, I, you know, I started to be a Blue Bulls fan when I grew up. Um, I was a fan in the days of, of Frick de Pri and Birman van Seil and those guys. But anyway, I started then. I studied uh, MBA. Um, I then joined uh, PricewaterhouseCoopers. Actually, I joined Coopers and Librand, which who became PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, then I became the managing partner or the CEO of the PwC consulting business uh, for about 10 years. And then in 2002, uh, IBM uh, bought us on a global deal uh, and I became the, the managing executive of IBM Business Consulting Services. So most of, the, most of my career I spent in consulting, but actually managing or yeah, leading the consulting group. We did strategy work, we did process work. Uh, we did large-scale systems implementation, and we also did uh, systems integration type of work. Um, I retired, basically, or well, I took a sabbatical, I would say, in uh, 2014, middle of 2014. And then I, since lived at, at Pinnacle Point down in Mossel Bay on the golf estate, where I became quite uh, involved uh, in, the, in the golf club uh, as club captain for the last three years. And I'm also currently chairman of the Homeowners Association. Okay, great. So you came out of the of retirement to take up this job at the Bulls. Did you apply? Were you recommended because of your experience? I did not apply. I have to say, um, I was I was called a few times by a few people in Pretoria <laughs> who wanted to back me, but I said, uh, "Look, it's it's very nice playing golf at Pinnacle Point." <laughs> um, but but you know, then there came another call, and I decided, well, you know. I'll put my name in that. I put my CV forward and then uh, got into an interview. I did a presentation uh, actually in Stellenbosch and then I was invited to meet with a board uh, in Santon, um, which was quite strange, you know, applying for the Blue Bulls job. But uh, yeah, then I, I got the job within a few weeks. Um, so it was quite a, a roller coaster um, and uh, it's been a roller coaster since then, you know, last six weeks or so. And I guess as a Bulls fan, you've now come full circle as the CEO. What exactly are you tasked with doing at the Bulls, uh, Mr. Alfonso Mayer? Well, I think there's, there's two sides to the business or, or to the company. Um, on the one side, obviously, you know, rugby and maybe sport in general is, is struggling financially. Yeah. Um, with the Bulls, so the Vodacom Bulls specifically, um, we have been struggling financially the last few years. You know, the good days are gone. You know, the... 
in the days where we won all the, the cups uh, in, in the uh, 27 to 2012. Um, so that's the one side. Um, and then on the other side, obviously the performance of the team, you know, has not has not been good in the last few years. So I think there, there's a two-pronged approach here, you know, get the financial turnaround and also the team performance turnaround. So in a way they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. If the one doesn't happen, the other one won't happen. So we're working on both at the same time. So you expect to be judged on both at the end of the day? I do. I think the perception in public is is obviously uh, on team performance, uh, and and I think you know both. I, I heard the previous uh, um, analyst talk, yes. uh, analyst talking about about the Bulls um, as a dark horse. You know, obviously we want uh, with our new coach also Puerta. Puerta has been a long uh, around a long time with the Bulls, mm. um, but you know, obviously I'm not interfering in the on-field performance. Um, but I'm looking at, at, at turning around, you know, the company side. But as I said, they, they go hand in hand. There's, a, there's actually a big correlation between, uh, between team performance and, and financial success in a, in a company like the Blue Bulls. Because, uh, you know, if the team performs well on the field, you know, the gate income will increase, the sweet sales will go up, advertising income will be easier. You know, it, it just makes so much easier to go out and sell, you know, sell the Vodacom Bulls to the yeah. public as well. You spoke about the financial challenges, and I think a lot of our franchises are struggling financially, struggling for sponsors. What do you attribute this to? Well, I, I think um, nowadays, um, and it's not only at the Blue Bulls, I yes. think people have so many choices, you know, um, families, you know, to go out and, and do uh, lots of things, um, uh, whether it's going to flea markets or movies, etc. Um, I think there's also a convenience factor, um, you know, sitting at home, uh, watching all the games, you know, at at home uh, on television, which made it much easier for people, which was not there probably, you know, many years ago. Um, but I would say, you know, in general, I still believe if if we can get the performance on the field back, um, I think the people, you know, the the the, the old hard supporters of of the Blue Bulls, the old Northern Transvaal guys, and and also the new fans, you know, of of the Blue Bulls, you know, different demographic, you know market will also come and, 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 and look at us, you know, and they will come back to Loftus, for sure. But we need to win. I mean, that that's the big key. Yeah, no, winning brings people to the stadium, for sure. Success, people like yeah. a successful team. And yeah. and with these financial struggles of these franchises, and then there are wage bills on the side here, and uh, how do you then find the balance? Because I do understand that our players get paid very, very well. How do you find the balance now? Yeah, I, I think it's difficult, you know, um, because um, we are limited uh, from a financial point of view. Um, but I think, you know, there's a number of, of, of things that you have to, to get right. Um, I think um, the culture, I think, is, is very important. Um, uh, I think we've got we've got a fantastic culture going at the moment. You know, now we need to, to do it on the field. So high-performance culture, ap- absolutely critical. I think then also the balance um, of the team, which I think we we much better this year, you know, with Puerta and Skalk bringing some some experience. Then we've got the core guys still, you know, from last year, Andre Polo, Jesse Creel, Lewitt, a fantastic captain, uh, Trevor, you know, and, and then we've got a very good uh, good breed of youngsters coming through like Ambrose Papir and, and, and Lisu Geboko. So I think we've got a very, very good balanced team. Um, so I think uh, you know we are we are quite excited about the the season that's go, that's lying ahead. It must have been a big coup to secure the likes of Skull Brits and Dwayne Vermeulen. Yeah, I think you know I can't take any credit for that. It happened uh, before my time. Mm. You know they were contracted um, obviously sometime probably October November. But as I said, you know you know to win the Super Rugby um, 
campaign you need you need depth in your squad but you also need a lot of experience you need you need senior players you need good experience but you also need you know the young players coming through on a continuous basis uh, i think you know with the people with the players we've contracted over the last year or two um, the squad is looking very good but as as we said you know the proof will be in 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 the pudding when we, we hit the ground running on on saturday against the stormers and how difficult, Mr. Alfonso Meyer, is it to keep our players here in the country, make sure that you secure those contracts? Because in this day and age where the sport is global, we're competing with the Euro, with the Pound and all these championships overseas. Yeah, I think I think that is critical. I think it's going to be very difficult. We've seen how many players, you know, leave for for France, um, leave for the UK, Japan. You know, they're playing all over the world nowadays. It's a global sport. Um, I think you know we are finding it very tough to compete with the euro, with the, even the yen, we, you know, with the yeah. with the pound. In Japan. Uh, I think it's going to be a continuous challenge. I think that that won't change. I do think that uh, we can uh, keep the players, you know, with the help of of Saru, South African Rugby Union. Um, I, I think also. Um, if you get a winning team going, I think it will be easier to keep the people. I think still, still, there's there's, there's a place for loyalty in in, in sport, um, and and I think you know we also need to understand you know it is not, it's the cost of living in in Europe uh, and 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 around the world is much more expensive than staying in South Africa and to travel and to take your family across it's not it's not always that easy you know to go backwards and forward from Europe. So, so I think you know um, I'm, I'm actually hopeful. I'm very optimistic that we can, we can hopefully keep this team together. You know, for the next year at least, for the next two years. And okay. also, I think maybe I, sorry, if I can yes. just add, we we have a we have a Lions tour in 2021. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, year after yeah. next year, and I think um, if you talk to the players, um, uh, obviously the the All Blacks will always be a challenge. But the Lions tour only come to South Africa uh, every I think every. 12 years you mm. know so not many not many players in their careers get a get a chance to to play against the lines you know and i think that that's one of the pinnacles of, of every every rugby player's career you know so i i would hope that 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 will make a difference as well okay for those who've just joined us we are building up to the start of the new super rugby season and we're catching up with the new ceo at the blue bulls company mr alfonso omeya who was appointed last year and took over the reins um, in january from the long-serving mr baron van Gran. you can call us if you want to join the conversation on 0891 we take sms's on 40938 and whatsapp or voice notes on 0614104107 we are using the hashtag safm spot on on social media Call Tabiso now, 0891-104-207. Still speaking to the Bulls, Blue Bulls Company CEO, Mr. Alfonso Omeya. Mr. Omeya, earlier on you spoke about the old hard supporters of the Bulls and how you're also obviously looking for the new market. The Bulls do have a certain image. Many people believe that they are, are for Afrikaners who drive buckies and like Boravars and all sorts of stuff. Is this an image that you want to you're satisfied with or an image that you think needs to be revamped no I, I i wouldn't say we want to forget about the old supporters we we we'd love them to to continue to be supporters but i think the world has changed completely i think our new our new supporter base has changed dramatically from a demographic point of view from an age point of view um our marketing campaigns are aimed at, at at the new generation as well. So, I mean, we we would like to be to have a much broader base of supporters for sure. Mm.
And the Bulls have also received some criticism when the coaching staff was announced uh, and it's a big talking point in the country that there are very few black coaches being given opportunities. How are the Blue Bulls planning to address this? Yeah, I think this it's probably a misperception as well. Um, if you look at the top few coaches, I, I, I would agree with you. But if you look at the the, the complete coaching staff, I think mm. we um, we probably almost halfway there, uh, at least 40% um, uh, uh, black and and other colored uh, coaches but but i would agree you know at the top level we need we need some work to we need to do some work there's no doubt about that and we are we are planning to do some some changes there as well there is a tweet here from Zico Smith who says the only thing Mr. Mayer must do is to make sure that we reclaim our position from the Lions when it comes to Super Rugby. And I guess many feel that the Bulls are sleeping giant for the past few years. They need to be revived. Would you agree? Because it's been a while since uh, they won the Super Rugby title. No, absolutely. I can't disagree with that. You know, we'd love to change that. Obviously, um, I think we... Uh, there's a good spirit around Loftus at this point in time. If you look at uh, the last, I would say, six years, it's been it's been horrible. To be honest with you, mm. um, we haven't won, you know, much from a, from Curry Cup, even under 20, under 29, only a few trophies in the in the cabinet, you know. Uh, and from a Super Rugby point of view, it's been it's been many years, you know. And I think we owe the the supporters something different this year. We we owe them. We owe them, you know, a few wins. We owe them a good position on the lock, for sure. It's a tough competition. We know that. Mm. Um, it's a long competition. It's a marathon. Um, but as I said, I think we've got a very good squad this year. And, but we, uh, we do owe our supporters. Have you, have you been able to put your finger on it, on what's, what's gone wrong over the past few years from where you've been sitting? Yeah, it's difficult and it's also not uh, easy to criticize uh, previous uh, um, uh, people um, and players and coaches. Um, So I would rather say, you know, I'm looking forward, um, you know, and uh, I have for the last uh, few weeks or so, I've uh, analyzed the position. Obviously, it's easy to see from a performance point of view that things went wrong. Uh, I think over time we had too many coaches, uh, changes in coaching staff. Uh, losing top players to overseas clubs all the time. Uh, I think the main thing for for a team to be successful in that competition, this competition, you need continuity, uh, both from a con- from a staffing from a coaching staff point of view and also from a player point of view. Players grow into a position; they grow as a team, you know. And if you change it all, you know, every year you will not you will not uh, be able to come out on top. If you if you look at the the team, you know, with Heineke Meyer and and, and, and Franz Ludicke, yeah. you know, in the in the great years, you know, that team with Victor and, and Fury and those guys, you know, uh, they, they had many Springboks, but but they became Springboks as they stayed along, you know, and Dani Rousseau, the So the more they played together, the better they became as as individual players, but also as a team. If the team performs well, you know, more 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 of the team will become Springboks, and and they stayed together for probably six or seven years, and they became very successful. Mm. Uh, we need to create that again at Loftus. And just on the coaches again, a year or two ago, there were guys that were retrenched, and I see the likes of Pine Pinar and Anton Leonard have now come back. What's the thinking there? Yeah, Anton was always in the system. Uh, I know Pine uh, was, I mean, before my time, so I can't really comment on, on what exactly happened there. Um, but I must say, um, after speaking to many people and, and, and also to Puerta, uh, Pine is rated as as one of the best defense coaches in South Africa, so it was was a fairly easy choice, you know, for us to make at that point in time. Mm. 
Mm. Talk, talk to us about Pote. I mean, he's been around for some time, but many people always see him as the assistant coach and not really the head coach. He's worked with John Mitchell. How have you found working with him so far now that you've joined the Bulls? Uh, Pote is a fantastic guy. I mean, he's a, he's a proper human being. Uh, he's down to earth, um, but uh, I've seen him uh, as, as, as calm and as, as easygoing as in my office or when we talk off the field, uh, uh, the discipline he can be on the field. And he's working with, he's great with, with young people as well, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think he's also gelling the team together. I think there's a, there's a calmness around the team. Uh, there's a good, good culture going. I, I think uh, Pert has had a great career. It's, it, we agree it's been up and down. Um, but he's done he's done very well over the years with, with some of the teams. And remember also he worked with, with John Mitchell. Yes. And I think the one thing that we that that he also says, you know, he wants to carry, continue and carry forward, you know, the good work that was done with John Mitchell last year. And there was a certain style of rugby being played by John Mitchell that he brought to the Bulls. Uh, is that what you're planning to continue with going forward? Yes, absolutely. If, if you look at the pre-season games uh, um, uh, that we've had so far, um, we play. A, I think we've played a very good brand of rugby. Mm. Uh, I think we continue what, what John started at the Bulls, and I think Puerto will be continuing. If you look at the, the assistant coaches that we brought in, you know, guys like Chris Rousseau, uh, even Alan Zondag uh, as director of rugby, uh, I think um, the open style of, of, of rugby will continue. But I think we have to also go back to the basics, you know, get a, a good pack of forwards that can dominate because that will make it easier to play the open style of rugby as well. Mm, and there was also a, a press release last month that uh, the Bulls will share with the Cheetahs. Uh, Dan Human, highly rated scrum coach also. What's the thinking there? Yeah, no, I, I think we what we said, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I must confess, I'm not a scrum a scrum expert, <laughs> but but the Bulls, you know, watching from the side, I think our scrum has been struggling over the last few uh, last few years. Let's be honest. And then we said, you know, uh, and we we talked, we asked around, uh, who's the best coach uh, when it comes to scrummaging? And I think Danny Mann's name, you know, popped up all the time. And, and we just said we we have to get him. Uh, and we made a, a good arrangement with the Cheetahs, even though he was still under contract. Uh-huh. Uh, we're sharing him with, with the Cheetahs at the moment, and then he will join us full-time, uh, I think, in May or June. Oh. Uh, so no, I'm very excited about Don. Everybody's talking about him. He's, he's exceptional. Yeah, no, I did say he's highly rated. Even I've yes. had very good things about Dan. Absolutely. Human. For those who've just joined us again, we are catching up with the Blue Bulls uh, CEO, Mr. Alfonso Umeya, just to find out what the expectations are, what the turnaround strategy is at the Bulls, because as I mentioned, they are the sleeping giants of South African rugby. And we'll wrap up this conversation after the break. You can call us on 0891-104-207. Our SMS line is 40938. And our WhatsApp number is 061-4104-107. Tabiso Musiya on SAFM. And we've got a message here on social media from Mr. Alfonso Mayer. Mr. Alfonso, they want to find out, TickFit wants to find out, what is the relationship with Mamelodi Sundowns? Because we've seen the Bulls wearing that Sundowns away kit. Is there a solid relationship there in place? Yes, uh, there is a very solid relationship. I think that's been going uh, on for almost 10 years, if, if my memory serves me correct. Uh, sundowns play almost all the games at at Loftus Fersfeld um so we've we've got a very very good relationship with them i think we can actually take it one step further maybe you know and and that's what we're working on currently we 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 we're going to meet with them in the next month or so uh, to workshop and see how we can get even closer but yes i mean they 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 actually, they actually play more games uh, at Loftus than than the than the than the Vodacom Bulls <laughs> 
We're going to speak to Chanel also, who's next to you, uh, because yes. you've got a game this weekend. But I just want to find out from you, as we wrap up now, Mr. Mayor, what are the expectations this season? Is this a long-term project? Are you expecting results on the field of play this season? We are optimistic. Um, I think our expectations uh, are high, um, and I think the fans' expectations are also very high. Obviously, this weekend is going to set the tone for the season. Uh, the the Storm has got a fantastic team. If you look at them, uh, yeah. full of Springboks, um, I think uh, the Vatican the Bulls also have a very good team. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good game on Saturday. We're looking forward to that. Talk to us about your captain, Lord Diaga. How do you expect him to lead the team? Oh, okay. Shanil, are you there? Okay, we're going to try and speak to also uh, Shanil Mangaru, who's the communications and marketing manager at the Blue Bulls. Shanil, can you hear me? To be so loud and clear, man. Thanks oh, for having us on. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you very much for bringing the CEO in studio. Um, it's wonderful chatting to him. Firstly, what can fans expect this season from There's the marketing nothing. team? I think it's going to be a big season. Uh, you know, as Alphonse said, you can expect a lot of big things from the team. So I think from our end, we've got to deliver as well, you know. Um, it works both ways. Uh, the marketing's got to work hand in hand with the team. Team's doing great things. We need to do some great things. This year for us, massive, massive uh, part of our marketing campaign will be literally making the brand more touchable and feelable to the people. It's literally about taking the brand to the people itself. Mm. So uh, you would have noticed uh, a whole lot of our marketing goes out and uh, you'll see we put our fans front and center on that. Mm. We spoke about the traditional bull supporters with Mr. Mayer and, and he did mention that there are new supporters coming through and we've seen them, we've seen them that the, the face at Loftus is changing. How are you getting that right and what kind of a challenge is it? You know, it's, it's, it's obviously a long road. Um, uh, like you said earlier, I, I think pre- previously people perceived the Bulls brand as being predominantly white. Yeah. It's actually not the case at all, though. I mean, uh, we, we've got some really nice BMI stats that show otherwise. Yeah. I think uh, of the 2.4 million uh, Bulls fans in the country, I think about 53% are black. So, so it's huge. Um, people just don't see it, I think. <laughs> mm-hmm. But again, it's a, it's a case of managing perceptions. You know, we've got some nice programs running um, that, that speak to different markets and different fans. And uh, we're going to keep pushing it. Let's talk about that superhero theme. Uh, we saw it there at Newlands. It worked very well. Even the doubleheader worked very well. Are you continuing with that? I understand you kept in America this season. Yeah, firstly, I must say, I, I can't take credit for all of that. Uh, I think yeah. SA Rugby and, and uh, SA Rugby Vodacom together with Marvel did exceptional work there. Yeah. So from a franchise perspective, we, we, we sort of jump onto it. Uh, we're definitely going to carry on with the superhero theme. Uh, this weekend, uh, Loftus Ferrisfeld again will be full of superheroes. It's, uh, it's Captain America versus Thor. So it's going <laughs> to be a big one. Uh, the good thing is we're going to get a lot of fans dressed up in their costumes as well. Um, uh-huh. The best part about this this uh, superhero thing for me is that it actually takes rugby back to younger fans as well. Yeah. You know, uh, I think for a while uh, we, we we kind of didn't lose it, but but we lost the interest of of younger fans. Um, yeah, this, this is opening up that window again for us. And so, how does it work? Will it be superhero themes during the local derbies? Yeah, so the superhero themes will be just for the local derbies. So when we play uh, we play the Sharks. Um, there'll be Black Panther. Yes. When we play the Lions, there'll be Spider-Man. And when we play uh, Stormers, there'll be uh, Thor. 
Uh-huh. And the Bulls are known for their talent. I mean, the talent always comes through the ranks at the Bulls from the schools there in Pretoria. I thought maybe it would be a bit unfair to ask it to Mr. Mayor, who's just joined. But from where you are sitting, uh, Shanil, how's the talent? How, how's the talent in the youth ranks? No, it's looking good. Eh? It's looking very, very pretty. Uh, I tell you, I, I got a shock in my life the other day when I was introduced to the new under-19 group. Mm. Um, it's scary. We, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one eight eight meters tall, and you walk in there and you feel like the littlest guy in the room. <laughs> so uh, there's a big group of boys coming out there, but a uh, lot of skill. I've seen some of those boys play at school level. Uh, so something very exciting happening. And remember, you know, the, the last year's under-19 group that came in uh, have grown up as well. They've yeah. they've had a full season under their belts. And, uh, you know, I, I think our youth system is, is going very well. If you take a kid like uh, Ambrose Papir, I mean, you know, just a few years ago, he, he was in that under-19 group. Yeah. And uh, he was a, a name that was unheard of. In fact, at the beginning of last year, you asked him what his dream was. And he said, no, he'd just like to put a super rugby jersey on. <laughs> no, he's and, a springbok. Uh, he's a springbok. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, you've got a big game this weekend. First one of the season, of course, at home to the Stormers. Give us ticket information, time, when, what time does it kick off? And when do you suggest people should come to the stadium? Cool. To be so, firstly, it doesn't get bigger than this. Eh? Yeah. Uh, no, I for think, sure. Uh, it's become the, the derby. Now it is the derby. It's the old North versus South rivalry. So it doesn't get bigger than this. Uh, it's the best way to start Super Rugby, I think. Our game kicks off at uh, 5.15. We've got two warm-up games before that. Uh, I think the first game against uh, a Blue Bulls 15 taking on Naka Billa is at 1 o'clock. And then there's a club game at 3 o'clock. So there's lots that you can expect at the stadium. We're going out of our way to make it a good day. I think if uh, if fans saw what happened in Cape Town two weeks ago, we we trying to we trying to replicate that sort of vibe. So uh, lots of prizes to be won, great entertainment, big kids area, and the best part of all is we've even got an after party. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh. do you still have the Blue Bulls ladies? Yeah, uh, Alphonse is uh, giving me a look here and sticking his thumb up. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that we needed. That's all that we needed. And where do people get the tickets from, Chanel? All right, so all of our tickets, season tickets and game day tickets at bulls.ticketpro.co.za. Uh, listen, the good news is uh, tickets for kids behind the poll start at 10 bucks. That is really, really cost-effective for families. So, ten bucks for kids, fifty bucks for adults behind the posts, and obviously the you know the grandstands and stuff's a bit different. But uh, it's lack of affordable, so you know it's a good day for the whole family. Do you sell tickets on match day at the ground? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, great stuff. Chanel and Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for coming to studio to speak to us. It's been a wonderful conversation just getting to find out about the Bulls, and we just want to wish you all the best of luck in 2019. Thank you, Tobizo. Thanks, Tobizo. Thank you very much, gentlemen. There, Mr. Alfonso Mayer, the CEO at the Blue Bulls, as well as Chanel Mangaru, who's the marketing and communications manager. If you're in and around Loftus this weekend, go there and support the Bulls up against the Stormers. It's one of the big derbies of the season, North versus South. Kickoff 5:15 p.m. And that's it from us. Then, my name is Tabiso Mosia.